Hello and welcome to another edition of the Celtic View podcast. My name is Martin DL and this week I'm joined by Celtic View reporter Mark Henderson. Thank you, Martin. And Celtic View's editor, Paul Cuddy. How you doing, Martin? I'm good, thanks very much, Paul. Uh, it's been another busy week for Celtic and the Celtic View team, full of games and exclusive interviews. We've got another bumper ed- edition of the magazine for you this week and the guys are going to run through the schedule that we've got there. Mark, who have you been speaking to this week? Well, actually, uh, for this week, I've actually spoke to Mr Dembele. It'll be for next week's match programme, but I spoke to him in the wake of the incredible triumph, uh, last gas triumph on Wednesday night against FC Astana. So I caught up with the man of the moment inside an empty Celtic park just around about 30, 40, 30, 45 minutes after the event. So that was really interesting to hear from him as he reflected on an incredible point in his career. It was a fantastic night for Musa and obviously everyone at Celtic Park, but I'm sure it'll be interesting to hear what the Frenchman has to say, especially considering everyone was out of the stadium by the time you got to speak to him. And yourself, Paul, you've obviously been taking charge of the Celtic Celtic, that's the Team For Me feature. Tell us about who you've got this week. Yeah, this week it's uh, another Celtic fan. Obviously it's a writer, Chris Dolan, who has written novels, plays, uh, worked on television. He also wrote a couple of short stories back in the day for the Celtic View as well, so interesting just to, to get his reflections on being a Celtic fan. Brilliant. Again, that sounds like a, another interesting read for this week's magazine. Um, now, before we go into those interviews, we've got a snippet of uh, my interview with Christopher Ayer. Uh, I spoke to the young Norwegian say, defender, but obviously joined the club as a midfielder. And I spoke to him earlier on this week uh, to catch up with him and ask him about his start to life at Celtic and how it's been working under Brendan Rodgers. You made your competitive debut against Lincoln. Yeah. Talk to me about about that. Uh, First of all, the atmosphere before the game was absolutely amazing. Hearing everyone singing in La Walkalona. I was struggling to not uh, fall some tears there, to be honest, it was uh, unbelievable and uh, play 30 minutes, uh, of course the game was over Mm -hmm. uh, when I came in, but uh, just um, being out on the pitch and uh, playing ball with uh, so many good players was unbelievable. Do you feel, um, you you kind of, as a footballer, you belong in that environment, that's where you want to play your football? Yeah, of course, uh, that's uh, everyone's dream and I've trained uh, so hard to get here and of course I want to perform at the top level so that I can continue staying here. Mm-hmm. There's obviously very, very early doors for you at Celtic, but how do you feel about your early performances? I think uh, the pre-season uh, I performed well. i done uh, some good matches of, uh, and uh, I'm uh, every day learning more about uh, how to perform, how to play under the gaffer, so it's been well. And positionally, have you enjoyed the kind of transition, the responsibility that's been given yeah, to you it's to been play good in defence? To learn, uh, learn more positions is of course good. So I learn uh, um, uh, a lot every day, and uh, it's good. There's obviously very experienced defenders at Celtic. Are they helping you uh, with that kind of transition, transition yeah. to more kind of defence. I learned uh, a lot every day from the defenders and also from uh, John Kennedy that uh, I work with. Uh, um, every day uh, after the trainings in terms of positioning and uh, technical exercises so it's good. It's good to have somebody like John I guess who knows the club 
and yeah, say that as well. Yeah, and it's so experienced uh, as the, the central half. So mm -hmm. I played uh, one game as a central half before I came here, uh, <laughs> and I was 15 years old. So of course it's been a, a big change, but uh, I think I'll handle it okay. Um, how do you see your kind of your future developing Celtic then in the immediate future? Of course, I want to develop as much that I can uh, play here for many years. I want to um, achieve some big with Celtic, and it's a big club, and the fans expect a lot. So, mm -hmm. of course, the first uh, priority now is the, to qualify for the Champions League, and mm -hmm. um, I hope that uh, in my later years I can be an important player for the team. What would it mean to you to qualify for the Champions League? Of course, it's, uh, it would mean a lot to play in the biggest tournament with uh, uh, the players here. Of course, uh, for a club, for a big club as Celtic, you almost expect to be in the Champions League and mm -hmm. it's the way it should be. Do you watch much European football when you were in Norway? Yeah, yeah I watch everything. So, yeah. of course, I knew that Celtic was a big club and mm -hmm. the years they have been out of the Champions League has been uh, quite a shock in Norway. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, we... Uh, we hope to qualify this year. Uh, are there any European teams in particular that you, you follow or that you would have you would like to play if we were to qualify? Yeah, yeah of course I uh, want to play against Liverpool, but they uh, <laughs> have not uh, performed that well the last year. So, uh, but uh, they also have the United Walk Alone, so that was mm -hmm. also a big experience to hear that uh, against Lincoln. But yeah. now I play for, uh, in my eyes, the biggest club in the world, and uh, I only want to stay here and perform well there. Are you a Liverpool fan, like sort of outside of Celtic, is that who you yeah, support? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it must be interesting for you to work under Brendan then? Yeah, of course. Well. I, I saw the documentary with uh, he in being Liverpool, so uh, I learned a lot there and uh, I knew from, from that documentary is good with young players and I, I've worked with him now for many years, now mm. many weeks, so yeah. now I know. It's so strange, you know, obviously Ronnie Dyla signed you being Norwegian and that, that could have worked out excellent for you because it's a compatriot, you know, someone from your homeland. But to then have the new manager of the club be the manager of the team that you former manager of the team you supported, it's strange how that works out like that, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it was uh, uh, good to get Bern uh, Degaffa here. He is a big ma manager and you can learn from him every day and you can see how how he uh, put on the trainings, how he uh, is ready for every game. So he's mm. really a great manager and learning everything from him. This is a Celtic View podcast. You're listening to the Celtic View podcast. This is the Celtic View podcast. This is the Celtic View podcast. This is the Celtic View podcast. So Christopher Iyer there speaking to the Celtic View about living the dream at the hoops. He admired Brendan Rodgers as a, a Liverpool fan from afar. Of course, a football fan as well, but now he's getting to work with his Celtic manager on a daily basis in close proximity. Paul, what did you make of what Christopher had to say and that idea of uh, turning a dream into reality? Well, do you know, the first thing that struck me, actually, Martin, when I was listening to it is, for a young guy, he's very articulate, very confident. Obviously, English not being his first language, I think he is quite an intelligent young man. So I was quite impressed with just the way he spoke and seemed quite self-assured and, you know, the fact that he is... He's kind of first step abroad, a big club, it's a big challenge for him, um, he seems to be relishing it and I think it does help and, and he's not alone and, and obviously thriving in the fact that Brendan Rodgers is our manager and certainly he 
he admits he has an affection. He's had an affection for Liverpool, and he's mm. obviously admired Brendan Rodgers previously as a Liverpool manager. So he probably couldn't quite believe it when when Brendan came here. And again, because of that reputation that Brendan Rodgers has for working with the young players, bringing young players through and developing them, then for somebody like Christopher I or, or any of the young players, they must be relishing the prospect of working every day with the manager, trying to develop and, and try to become regular first team players. So you can, I think you can just sense, you got that sense that he's, he's just loving life here. I mean, he obviously went back to Norway after he signed for us, mm-hmm. which I think was a good thing as well because he, he would have been he wouldn't really have played at all, I don't think, in, in the last six months of last season. Mm-hmm. But he's come in for pre-season. I think he's done quite... I think he's impressed people when he's when he's come in. He's still a very, very young player. I think that's what people have to remember. He's still got an awful lot to, to learn and develop. But you get the feeling he knows that as well. Yeah, he's got that uh, kind of physical size of a, a more senior player and certainly the mature attitude on the pitch and when you're speaking to him as well. Um, but it's that sort of interesting thing where he was going to be being managed under Ronnie Dyla, you know, a fellow Norwegian, but then he's had that, the jackpot in yeah, a sense for exactly him, because right. he's got yeah. a, a fan of Liverpool. Mark, what did you make about what Christopher had to say there? Uh, well, first of all, talking about you'll never walk alone, um, I think, as you say, the dream for him, you know, he's arrived at Celtic, he's a Champions League qualifier, hearing you'll never walk alone, obviously a song very special to him, and then saying he was moved by to tears by it, so it just, it's, it's obviously, you know, for a young player, you know, catapulted out of Norwegian football into the big time, I think he's just relishing every second of his Celtic experience so far. Working under a manager, he's obviously got huge admiration for. Playing for a big club, playing in front of huge crowds, uh, working alongside senior pros and very good footballers. I think he's just, you know, taking, you know, soaking everything up at the minute. Mm-hmm. And as Paul said, he's still a very young player, lots to learn in the game. And, you know, when a, a new player comes into Celtic, the fans are desperate to see him, see what kind of impact he can make. And, you know, fair enough, I think he has impressed in the times he's been on the pitch. But I think, you know, Christopher would, will, will admit that as well. He's still got a lot to learn in the game. And the fact that he played the development match this week uh, against Annan mm-hmm. in, the, in the Challenge Cup, where he, I think he did have a good game. But he, well, I think what we'll see maybe in the early juncture of his Celtic career as he will be moving between the two groups he might be playing for the development side to get that game time mm-hmm. he might come into the first team but it's it's going to take maybe a, a little bit of time for him to make you know a real uh, tangible impact on the first team but so far I think he, he's, he's done you know all he can he, he's you know he's done well in the games he's had he's working well I think behind the scenes and uh, from you know from speaking to the coaching staff as well he's a very nice lad uh, um, and you know, very respectful, and always willing to, to learn. So um, I think he's going to be a big player for Celtic over the coming years. He's a young player as well, and he's obviously been he's been thrown in at the deep end in certain occasions, and he had a slight setback with a, a hand injury a couple of weeks ago, which uh, he goes on to describe in the interview. It came from a f- freak accident. Do you know? I read I read your interview actually in in the view, and it's the trying to imagine it's the most bizarre thing I ever it's so, I mean, it's so odd to, to, to describe to the listeners uh, if you've not read this week's magazine basically Christopher explains that he was wearing like, a cast just now because he got a fracture in his hand from jumping for a header and um, his thumb I think got caught in someone else's top um, the person that he was challenging with and it ended up giving him a fracture 
it's so strange because obviously the players are wearing the same kit every day in training and have done for you know forever basically so for that to happen it's odd but my main point really is he's he's had the challenge of being thrown in at the deep end and had these uh, that small setback but do you think it's that kind of youthful self-assurance you know he's not really had any real setbacks in his career so he doesn't know anything other than to to be positive and and that's what he's doing yeah as well uh martin you know the fact that he said he's not played in central defence since he was a 15 year old mm-hmm. and he'd only played there once yeah. um, I thought he was quite... he's only 18 as well so <laughs> for us that might seem like a lifetime ago yeah but... I know I keep getting reminded in these podcasts <laughs> of how old I am but um, yeah the, the, the fact that I think a lot of people just assume he's a central defender because he's a really tall person mm-hmm. um, so he arrived at Celtic uh, you know someone very versatile obviously able to play in a number of positions but primarily as a central midfielder so when we did have a central defensive sh- shortage uh, in recent weeks, I think a lot of people assumed that Christopher could just slot in there straight away. Obviously, the hand injury um, put paid to that as well, mm-hmm. but he's that's a position he's still learning, and he talked about it. I thought it was quite interesting in your interview as well, Martin, that he's looking to learn from the likes of John Kennedy yeah. and others uh, at Celtic to, to play in that position and it could be one he, you know, he, he could move into in the future with his height and physical prowess it's probably one he's suited to but that's still something he, he's, he's, he's hoping to pick up I think uh, just the influence of John Kennedy we gave from Yeah I mean I think cause it's quite an interesting mix of, of defenders in terms of age group now we've got because you've got likes of Christopher Ayer and then just slightly ahead of him Owen O'Connell really young then you've got maybe Sviachenko Simonovic or like early to mid 20s and then you've got the more experienced players like Lustig now Colo Turi so gives the manager a lot of options and I think obviously the likes of John Kennedy I think is an invaluable resource for these young players particularly coming through the ranks but you know I think for somebody like Christopher Ayer to be able to learn from Mikhail Lustig or to learn from Colo Turi can only benefit him you know for his future career and we've seen just you know in the early weeks of the season how important it is to have numbers in defence yeah. when you've got your key players uh, out whether long spells or short spells it's good for somebody like Christopher to be able to be called on and perform well just a, a final question then on, on Christopher where would you would you like to see him develop at Celtic would you like to see him retain a kind of uh, centre half position or do you think he would be more suited to the midfield given what you've seen I mean I, I, mean, I think the good thing is Mark kind of touched on it is that he's he's got the versatility that you know he's obviously maybe been more used to playing in midfield and that's maybe where he's felt more comfortable. I think his attitude's great because he, you know the fact he's been asked to play central defence and he just gets on with it mm. and he's, he knows he needs to learn and he's, he's happy to learn. And I think that's where you see like sort of the manager and the coaching staff, sometimes a player will, will be bought or come in from a certain position, but they'll identify something and they'll say, well, we think we can develop him better in such and such a position. So you're kind of you're putting your trust in them as well to an extent. Definitely. Yeah, I think similar to Paul Martin, I think versatility is such a valuable commodity in the modern game. You know, you need players that can operate all over the pitch and with his height and his ability to get round the park. Uh, I, I think, you know, probably as a holding midfielder is where he sees himself. But, you know, being able to slot back in defence will be important for him, particularly at Celtic when, you know, squad competition is so tough uh, to, to get in the side. So, um, you know between central midfield central defence is probably where I would see him in the future and uh, you know hopefully he can you know really cement his place in the team in the years going forward at the club 
Excellent stuff. Well, if you want to read the full interview with Christopher Ayer, it's in this week's Celtic View, which is out in shops now. Magazine, as we say, is full of interviews with the Celtic players and exclusive content. And you can also get that online by searching Celtic View Digital. In the aftermath of the Hoopsies' dramatic UEFA Champions League third qualifying round victory over FC Astana, Celtic Park was empty yet noisy as I caught up with the Hoopsies' last action hero, Moussa Dembele. You showed absolutely no nerves taking that penalty kick. I think everyone else in the stadium was feeling extremely tense though. I mean, why did, how did you keep so cool? Because, you know, as I, said, as I said, I've been training a long time in, in penalties, like uh, every day after training, I've been working on it and, and, you know, what happened on the pitch, you just think about the training, you know, and, uh, you know, I just stay calm and, and knew that I knew that I, I was called a goal. Are you always that calm and collected on the pitch when you're in front of goal? Yeah, yeah, obviously I'm a striker, you know, so for me, it's, uh, you know, it's, uh, I think it's the best thing I can do is score goals, you know, for me, because I'm a striker. Obviously, and, and you know when you're in front of a goal, you have to keep calm and, and know that you've been training training a long time for this, and and yeah, everything worked. What were your emotions when the ball hit the back of the net? Yeah, I was I was happy. I just said, "Oof, yeah, finally the first one," and, and hopefully can continue in more and more more goals for this club. Because there was so much riding on it, the club's biggest match of the season. You're possibly scoring your first goal for the club. Um, did you when you just did you just focus on the actual penalty itself? Did you manage to put all that out of your mind? Yeah, yeah, I just focused on the penalty, you know, I didn't look at the stadium, at the fans and I just focused on me and the keeper and the ball, you know. And uh, you know, I just focused and, and, and knew that and see where I would put the ball and, and put it there and the keeper goal in one way. So goal and everyone is happy. The end of the game, great scenes as you celebrated with the crowd. What was that like for you? Yeah, for me as a young, you know, I, I just expect this from the from the crowd. You know, I came for Celtic because of, because it's a massive club and because of the fans and, and everything around the club. You know, and uh, for me, for me, you know, since as soon as I came here, the fans helped me a lot and, and support me and and I want to, to give back to them what they what they give to me. Because it was they showed their support before the penalty by singing your name. Yeah. And they've done that throughout since you've arrived at the club. I mean that, that must be really good, you know, as a new player to hear that support also early in your Celtic career. Yeah, yeah, as a new as a new player, you know, when you come to a club, you know, and the, the fans are, are behind you, you know. And uh, for me it's just a, a massive thing, you know, and I came for I came to this club for this, for the fans and, and for the for, for the weight of this club, you know, it's a, it's a massive, massive club and and hopefully they can continue and, and we can score more goals and, and be qualified for the Champions League. And uh, you, did you enjoy the sing-along in the, the corner of the pitch over there? Yeah, 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 I enjoyed it, I enjoyed it, you know. And uh, yeah, I was, just, I was just happy, it was a, a great moment for me, you know. I remember this all, all my life and all my career. And what it does do as well is guarantees us European football until Christmas and I suppose that was one of the big attractions when you come into Celtic, yeah, playing yeah. in this atmosphere and against top European teams, so lots to look forward to. Yeah, I wanted to play a European team, that's why I came to, to this club and, and you know, we've done that, but now, you know, it's, it's up to us, we have two more games before, before the Champions League and, you know, we have to, to, to put the Champions League away and focus on these two games and, and try to win both of them. What would it mean to you to get to the Champions League? It would be a, a huge thing, you know, as a, as a young lad, you know, it's a, you always dream about the Champions League, you know, I've watched, I've watched Champions League all my life and, and for me to play in it, to have the possibility to play in it, you know, it's a, it's a massive thing and, and, you know, now I have to focus in these two games and, and, 
for the team to try to, to, to try to win the, the two games and then everything will go well. Do you have any kind of highlights of the Champions League growing up? Anything that really sticks out from watching it as a, as a, as a fan? Yeah, yeah, as a fan, you know, I've watched all the Champions League. The first one I can remember, I think, is 2000, yeah, it's 2005, the final between uh, AC Milan and, and Liverpool. You know, it's the first first Champions League ever I remember, and and you know, through this, I've, I've watched all the all the games, and and yeah, I always dream to be to be out there on the pitch and and show what I can do, and hopefully. With these two games, you know, we have to do everything we can to, to qualify. And I guess when you play here at Celtic Park in our Champions League night, when the atmosphere is even louder, the stadium is even fuller. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's nowhere else better to be as a footballer. Yeah, there's nowhere else better to be. You know, I've watched Celtic in Champions League since I was young, you know, and, and I remember this day against, against Barcelona, you know, I was watching, I was watching it on TV and, and it was just just something unreal and, and hopefully we can do this season but you know apart from that first we have to focus on these two games and then and then the future take care of yourself. This is a Celtic View podcast. You're listening to the Celtic View podcast. This is the Celtic View podcast. This is the Celtic View podcast. Interesting stuff there from Musa Dembele talking about his penalty heroics on Wednesday night and what the Champions League means to him and also making me feel really old. Uh, I'm joined here by Paul uh, Cuddihy and Martin DL again, just to talk about what Musa was saying there. And uh, First of all, Paul, um, obviously you're a couple of years older than myself, so I don't know how me- that makes you feel to hear Musa talking about the Champions League final of 2005 being his first Champions League memory. Well, it was more the fact that you feel old when he's saying that, so I'm thinking, how old do I feel? Yeah, it's, I suppose it's just a sign that... You know the young players that we've got coming through. I mean, he has, he's just turned twenty, so it's it's incredible because obviously our memories and mine in particular stretch further back in that competition. But it's the first. I mean, it's his first Champions League memory really as a player, and I have to say, I was amazed at how cool he was because it wasn't just taking the penalty and injury time to put us through. It was the fact there was all the kind of stramash going on with players getting sent off. They had players walking into the, the penalty area to try to disrupt them. And you're thinking, this young guy, this is the biggest game he's ever played in. And he was just the coolest guy in Celtic Park. And the penalty was just exceptional. And, you know, for me, I just thought, we've got a player here. Because if he can hold his nerve in that situation, then, you know, what is he capable of? Definitely, I mean, it was a nerves of steel. And I think the other Celtic players were impressed with that. You know, to see a young player come to the club, just turn 20 years old and be able to handle that occasion and take, you know, score what could be the most crucial goal of the season for the club so early in his career and his first goal for the club as well. And uh, I could barely watch it, Martin. And, and I was, I was, you know, obviously covering the match live for the Celtic Twitter account. You were doing the match report in the stand. And how did you feel when it was all going on? Well, it was just one of the most... Uh, Tense experiences I've had in my, my time working here as, in, as a fan really as well given everything that was at stake um, and then trying to keep your kind of working head on and think if this goes in or if he misses how am I going to write about this and how is this going to pan out so the coolness that he showed I mean I was so, so far away from it in the stands and he's the one that's standing over the, the ball it was that kind of moment as well where he only took a couple of steps away from the ball and you're thinking to yourself, oh, this is going, going into the stands. But... but do you know what was amazing? I thought it was, see the, the penalty shootout we had against Leicester mm-hmm. and everybody obviously barred James Forrest and they were hitting great penalties because there was no pressure, mm-hmm. both him and Lee Griffiths. 
you know, that's that yeah. is real pressure stuff, mm-hmm. and the two of them like stepped up to the plate, and it, that's great for us. It kind of makes me think of that, uh, like you say, like Ayer again, that youthful uh, confidence. I always remember Kevin Bridges says in, a, in one of his comedy sketches once you can always tell somebody it's been never punched in, never been punched in the face before, because uh, they don't they, they act a certain way, and that kind of coolness and confidence to go up to a, a penalty, as you say, when there's just sheer drama around him, people getting sent off left, right and centre, panic, uh, real tension in the stands and then he just stands up, takes a couple of steps back and just totally gives the keeper the eyes and even his celebration, you know, he, he runs away in celebration but it's still an element of coolness and confidence about it um, and then you can see at the end of the match just exactly how much it meant to him and he went away over to the, the far corner and he was jumping about on his own so... A fantastic memory for him and for everyone that was there at the stadium on the night. And, uh, you know, people were saying it was a real coup for us to get Musa. There was a lot of other big clubs interested in him. But I think, you know, when you see that atmosphere uh, playing in that big stage at Celtic Park, and I think he, you know, he talks about it as well in that interview, there's no better place for a young player to be playing his football um, to experience such an occasion and uh, I think people forget that you know Scottish football gets talked down a lot um, but when you're at Celtic you're playing for one of the biggest clubs in the world in front of a fanatical support the chance to win trophies and play in the biggest stage in European football Yeah I mean I think we spoke about this before but Moussa Dembele and what, what encourages me is that you know when he was going to leave Fulham there was a lot of big clubs in England like likes of Spurs and Chelsea were interested in him and he could have gone there for you know a lot of money. He may, may end up going out and loan. He may end up just watching. But instead, he wants to develop his football. Hence the reason why he's come to Celtic. And to me, that, that's the most encouraging thing. That is, he's really focused on his career for the long term. So I think we're going to get the real benefits of a player who I think is just going to start scoring lots of goals now. And uh, you know, as you say, first goal for any new striker is vital, and to get it. Quite early in his career, obviously he's had a couple of chances in the previous competitive games. Um, it's important for him, no matter how experienced John Martin. Yeah, the manager talked about that. As a striker, it's so crucial for you to to try and find the back of the net. Um, you know, as regularly as you can, as quickly as you can when you join a new club. And he's now done that. He's got that kind of monkey off his back, so to speak. So uh, he. Well, we'll take a, a real big confidence boost from it when, as we say, talking about the circumstances, the situation as a whole, um, to have been that brave to step up and, and take the penalty and also going forward to know that he is the designated penalty taker at Celtic, as the manager confirmed that night as well. So he should be in amongst the goals and certainly have the confidence to, to get in amongst them as well. And great to see when he came on the park with that impact he made as well. You can tell he's getting closer to his optimum fitness and conditioning now. Started pre-season at a couple of weeks, maybe 10 days or so after the, the rest of his first-team colleagues. So I think people forget that. Mm-hmm. It has taken him a little bit more longer to get up to where the rest of his teammates are. Yeah, I think we've seen flashes of his skill and his strength and his speed, but never really all in one combination. Uh, like the, the way in which he won the penalty, because he, he not made a defender... You know, the dying minutes of the game, he not made the defender burst into the box and then drew a foul and then scored the penalty. So it was like three key things you would like to see from a striker. So more of that, please, Musa, in the future. I think we can all agree in that, Martin and Paul. Yeah, and, and I just want to say, if uh, you think you're feel old, my earliest European memory was Inter Milan 1972, so there you are. That's who old I am. <laughs> 
Hello, I'm Paul Cuddy, editor of the Celtic View. And joining us for this section of the podcast, Celtic, Celtic, that's the team for me, is writer Chris Dolan. Chris, thanks for joining us on the podcast. Hi, Paul. Very and pleased to do it. My first question, as always, to my guests is, what is your earliest Celtic memory? I think the earliest thing I can remember th- being aware of the whole Celtic thing was playing, was playing uh, in the back green. I have this image of playing that back green. And what I remember particularly about this particular game, I, I reckon I must have been five, six, something like that, about five, was wearing a Celtic jersey, which was a hand-me-down from my brother, which was too big for me. And I've never been told it was a proper Celtic jersey. It was white with green sleeves and had a shamrock. So it must be 1950s. Yeah, it was an, an, an older weight top. There's no weight top, was yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, 1950s. I, I think I've still got that somewhere. Um, and playing in the backcourt. And I have a memory of scoring a goal. A goal. Kicking it through the jerseys. Um, and shouting, I'm, I'm Stevie Chalmers. But that might be a false memory because that might have been a couple of years later after the Lisbon Lions, I'm not sure. But my main memory is the back green running about in this jersey. So what year would that have been? If I was born 1957, 1962, 63, around about there somewhere. Yeah, well, Stevie Chalmers was, was at the club then anyway, so... He's there by that time, well, so maybe it's a true memory. That's my memory is scoring a goal out of the 50 goals that were scored that afternoon <laughs> and going, I'm Stevie Chalmers. Um, so I must just have seen a game or heard probably at that point I don't think I'd been to a game yet uh, my dad took me to games not long after that but I think I was just hearing the name and probably seeing it on the, on the radio and Stevie Chalmers if I'd been a new kind of hero Well that's, that leads me into the next question who who would have been your, your Celtic hero growing up? Uh, I'm going to be so obvious here and like so many other people in my generation Jimmy Johnson it had to be Jimmy Johnson um, I'm dead on Jimmy Johnson's time just when my dad started taking me a match when did Jimmy Johnson join the club? Mid sixties, yeah, yeah, yeah. So roughly about the time my dad starts taking the games, is I'm the whole era of Jimmy Johnson, um, right through until I stopped going to games because I left Glasgow. So by and large, me going regularly to see Celtic coincided with Jimmy Johnson, and to the point where I can't remember, even though I know it's ridiculous, I can't remember any game that he played badly or anything he ever did wrong. Even though I know rationally that's just ridiculous, but my memory, particularly as being a young uh, boy, was. It was like watching some kind of otherworldly being, uh, this extraordinary talent all the time. Now, when I ask people the next question, and it's always if you could choose a Celtic player that you could go back to see, obviously people of a certain generation, my generation would, would have loved to see Jimmy Johnson in his prime, but who would you have liked to have seen at the height of their Celtic powers? The name that springs to mind, because my dad never stopped going on about him, was Jimmy McGrory. And my dad also was very, very proud of having met and kind of known Jimmy McGrody I don't think he knew him that well he'd met him uh, on a few occasions my dad worked in the East End he's a, he worked uh, with publicans he sold uh, uh, spirits to publicans uh, and so he knew a number of people I think Jimmy McGrody was from the East End I can't what the yeah, connection the was the Grand Guard yeah. yeah so I think he knew his family or whatever but anyway my dad loved Jimmy McGrody I know Marwa even Jimmy Johnson who my dad also loved Nobody was ever as good as Jimmy McGrody. So I would love to have seen, to find out how true that was about my dad was overdoing it. Well, to be fair, 468 goals in 445 games, so he was a player, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It's always, 
I always ask people this question and I always think it's a tough one because you think of the amount of games you've seen over the year but is there, is there one game that sticks out as, as a favourite for you? I was thinking about this um, yes um, and probably not one as a kid actually there are a couple of kids that you immediately think of as a kid that, that are quite strong in my mind still but actually it's I took my son for the first time uh, to see Celtic and I'm not dead sure about this Paul I it was it was against Dundee uh, we won one nothing. It was a beautiful day in spring, and my boy was about eight. So I'm thinking it's 1993. It's about 2002, 2001 to 2002. A normal game, um, not that towards the end of the season. It didn't matter that much, but we get taken in through a, a friend uh, my, my wee boy got taken round the, the trophy room which I'd never seen before either and then as we're going out to watch the game uh, I was just about to take him out uh, when it was a woman who was one of the, the people that worked there uh, picked up on the fact that Daniel had never been at a game before and she said hang on a minute and she made his wait to the last possible minute and then she covered Daniel's ears and eyes and we walked out and she Opened up, let him open up his eyes and his ears just as on a beautiful spring day, uh, whatever it would be, 50,000 people are singing, um, uh, You'll Never Walk Alone, uh, or whatever was they're singing. That would probably been uh, it was a grand old team or something. Everybody's singing anyway, and all the scars are up. And Daniel, my son, says to him, from that moment forward, he says, You knew his life had changed. <laughs> and I thought it was fantastic as well. Uh, so actually, I was taking my son for the first time. Yeah. Fantastic memory. The last question, and again, it's uh, it's one that's always produces interesting answers. Is there a, a much maligned or maybe an underappreciated Celtic player from uh, your time watching them that you'd like to mount a defence of? The one that springs to mind is not because of uh, necessarily because he's a better football than people thought he was. Um, I just think I always liked Paddy McCourt. I just liked. It. I always thought he looked dead cool. I thought it was something dead cool about Paddy McCourt. I actually liked the fact what made him kind of not reliable and one of the reasons why he never got for didn't get full games that often was there was something kind of traditionally old time football about McCourt and I just found him a kind of an attractive figure, even though I don't think it's probably in football terms. Um he wasn't he wasn't as great. He was probably right the criticism made of him at the time. I just liked him as a guy. Well, he was called the Derry Pele, and some of his goals were just extraordinary. Oh, some of it's funny when he turned it on, but he couldn't. Have, as my memory was he couldn't. He didn't. He didn't uh, keep it going for a very length, length of time. He had, he had moments, yeah, flashes of complete genius, um, and then not that much. Yeah, but I suppose the, as you say, the memories that he gave with those occasional moments of genius. I thought it was fantastic, you know, and, and he did look so cool as well. Yeah, and a great guy as well. Thanks very much, Chris, for, for sharing your memories on this Don't section of the, the podcast. And thanks for listening and joining us again for next time for Celtic Celtic. That's the team for me. This is a Celtic View podcast. You're listening to the Celtic View podcast. This is the Celtic View podcast. This is the Celtic View podcast. Well, there we go, folks. Almost approaching full time for this week's Celtic View podcast. I hope you've enjoyed the listen. Of course, the podcast gives you an opportunity to listen to some of the interviews that myself and Mark and Paul conduct with the players and Celtic fans and Celtic personalities, which are all contained within the magazine, the weekly magazine of the champions, The Celtic View. Now, that's out just now. That features an exclusive interview with Christopher Ayer, as you heard. We've also got a chat with Mikael Lustig. 
Brendan Rodgers sits down with the Celtic View and there's a brilliant here we go for six in a row preview of the season, looking at all of the competitors and opponents that Celtic will face in the league this season. We've also got a chance for you to win tickets for Wednesday's League Cup clash against Motherwell and if you're coming along to that match you'll be able to read the full exclusive interview with Moussa Dembele that Mark and myself and Paul were speaking about there and you heard a wee snippet of. So that's about it, that wraps us all up for another week. Thank you very much for listening and until the next time, hail hail.